Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we come before you as your people, worshiping together in places around the world. We come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of Christ, here with many members, gifts and skills and talents and abilities to serve you wherever we might be. Father, as we enter into this holy week, this, this week of, of the passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we remember today his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we remember that he was a king unlike any other king. And so remind us, Heavenly Father, to listen to his words, to see the events of this week unfold, and to know again that you gave him into this world because you love each and every one of us so much that you sent him to pay the price for our sins. Remind us that it is by his wounds that we are healed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This particular Palm Sunday is a Palm Sunday that is unlike any others, at least in my memory. Uh, for every Palm Sunday that I can remember, we passed out palms as people entered into church and especially encouraged uh, the children, but all people, to, to wave those palms. And, and it was always uh, at least a little bit amusing to me to watch Lutherans try to show at least a little bit of expression uh, of, of joy on a Sunday morning by doing something a little bit out of their comfort zone. And it was always uh, kind of also humorous to watch people try to juggle hymn books and palm branches and well, worship folders and all of those kinds of things. Uh, unfortunately, because of the uh, situation which we're in, we don't have any palm branches to wave this morning, unless, of course, you made some at home. I do happen to have, however, and I do this every year, uh, the palm branch that I folded into the form of a cross uh, last year is a reminder throughout the year uh, of this week and this, this vitally important week that, that all of human history changes and it reminds us of the, in this history that, that God does have a plan and as history unfolds he uses his people and he's with his people no matter where they might be. We've been focusing on the on the aspect of by his wounds we are healed and that whole idea of healing comes to fruition this week as we focus on Holy Week and the events unfolding during Holy Week especially on Monday Thursday and again worship on Monday Thursday at 7 o'clock and on Good Friday at 7 o'clock and we're going to do those traditional worship services uh, that you are used to and so I encourage you to tune in at those times to continue to hear the story unfolding of by his wounds we are healed because it is truly uh, the death of Christ that brings healing into our world, uh, not just the physical healing that, that we receive as he works through the medical professions around us, but that very much needed, in fact, more needed uh, spiritual healing that we have, that, that forgiveness of sins and that, that uh, answer to death and to uh, eternal uh, death apart from him. And so uh, by these events unfolding, we see how God changes human history. Now, we've been focusing on the commandments throughout this Lenten season as a reminder that we are a sinful people, and even as believers, we stumble and we struggle and, and, and all of those things of life that get thrown and tossed at us and sometimes we fall down. But Christ is always there to pick us up. And so this week we focus on the aspect of coveting. Now in our numbering system, that means that we're looking at the ninth and the 10th commandments. And they read as follows. You heard them earlier. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor anything else that belongs to your neighbor. It's a whole idea of not coveting. Well, what does covet mean? That's really what we need to unfold here. Well, one of the things that we know is that coveting is wanting something so much that it really kind of consumes uh, what we do and what we think and what we say. We begin to act in a way that, that the center of the universe is us, and it's all about us, and it's all about what we want. And so we might see things like 
uh, listed here. Uh, people covet success or money, fame, fortune, all of those kinds of things that we, we can think about. And when we start thinking about some of those things, uh, many of them can start falling into other commandments too. We start coveting uh, someone else's uh, wife. Well, what's that? Sixth commandment, you should not commit adultery. Uh, we start coveting uh, what, what someone neighbor has. Maybe it's their, their 1957 T-Bird. Or maybe it's that, that hidden barracuda in their garage. You know, it might be we covet those kinds of things, or, or maybe somebody shows up to work with that new dress or that, that new handbag, and we, we kind of covet that, we want that, and that can lead us even into, like, the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. We can covet somebody's reputation uh, and, and, and all of the adulation that they receive, and so maybe we fall into, and we'll talk about this on Thursday, the eighth commandment of starting to say bad things about them, bearing false witness in order to somehow tear them down, that we can take their place. All of these things fall into the area of coveting, but probably the two major things that people often covet are wealth, the wealth of the world, we're, we're kind of thinking about that. It doesn't really matter what station in life we find ourselves in. Uh, it seems like we're never satisfied. We always want more. I don't know how many of you out there have looked at your maybe investments over the last week or two here and watched it. They seem to have lost a lot of their value and we're concerned about the gold, the wealth of the world, if you will, and looking at those kinds of things and thinking about our future. And then we start asking, well, how could I get more? The other thing that people often covet, and this really is what we want to kind of focus on a little bit today, is, is the whole idea of power and authority. How do I gain that power? How do I gain that authority? And, and so the accusation is, is uh, by, by, by those at, at Jesus' time against Jesus is that somehow he's doing all this because he wants to gain power and authority. This whole parade into Jerusalem orchestrated by his followers, as the Pharisees would say, is all about him trying to displace us, to overthrow us, to take over. We gain that from the whole last verse of our gospel lesson today. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world's going after him. You know, he's the popular one. He's the one where thousands of people are showing up to listen to what he has to say. We're, 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 we're losing. We're losing here. We've got to do something. He's the one coming into Jerusalem like a king. And if we're not careful here, they're going to put him on the throne, and he's going to throw us out of power, and we're going to lose everything. That's their real fear in those days. Now, what's interesting for us with our Christian perspective is we can look at this and see that Jesus isn't coveting power and authority. After all, our hindsight is 2020. We can look at this. We know exactly what Jesus is about. He's about fulfilling all prophecy as the Messiah. He's about coming into Jerusalem because he knows what's going to happen. The disciples have been told, although they still, still hasn't clicked with them, they still don't believe it, but they've been told what's going to happen. He's not coming in because he covets power and authority. He's coming in because he covets you and me. God wants us to be with him more than anything else in the world, and the one thing separating us from him is our own sin, our own disobedience, our refusal by pride to confess our sins, as we're invited to do. Some people look at us and say, you Lutherans, you're always so hung up on sin all the time. Well, it's because we know that it's sin that separates us from God. And we can, if we forget about that, become a little bit self-righteous in our lives, and we can even become judgmental against other Christians and other things, because you see, we've got this own log sticking out of our own eye while we're trying to clean the speck out of other people's eyes. The reality is, is that we are to examine ourselves 
We're reminded if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will cleanse us from our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, bring the healing that we need to our hearts and our lives. This Holy Week is a get right with Jesus. It's a come face to face with Jesus moment in our lives to recognize where we're at in our relationship with him. And all of the fault and all of the blame that we try to push off onto the world or to other people, that might be well and good, but we need to take the time to look at ourselves. And when we take that time to look at ourselves, then we can join the crowd and wave the palm branches and put the cloaks down and say, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, because we know he's coming to go to a cross to die for us. We look at the messes that we make in our own lives. We need a Savior. We need the love of Jesus Christ. We need the one who sheds his blood for us. We need the one who becomes a king, a king who wears a robe and a crown of thorns. Placed upon him, not by people who want to give him adulation and praise, but placed upon him by people who want to mock him. Isn't it interesting today that so many people continue to mock the truth and the reality of Scripture and of Christianity? They're afraid, perhaps, of what Christ might do for their lives because they just don't know. And so out of fear and out of ignorance, they lash out at Christianity and Christians. I found it sad this last week that even the mayor of New York City was, was uh, accusing the, the, the organization of Franklin Graham, who has set up a medical hospital in Central Park, accusing them of playing favorites because somehow they're Christians. Nothing could be farther from the truth for that organization. They go all over the world helping people everywhere, and they do it out of the love of Jesus Christ and to proclaim Christ and him crucified for the sins of the whole world. Yes, the patients who enter that tent are going to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to hear about the true healing that takes place because of him. And people like the mayor of New York City are afraid of that truth. Isn't that interesting? That those who want to bring the very aid for physical healing and spiritual healing are still today mocked by the world. And that happens not only there, but in other places as well. We see that the work of Christians is poo-pooed or shamed and somehow put down because somehow we connect it to the love of Jesus Christ. And the world runs away from that. How unfortunate. And so what is our job during this time? Our job, even in the midst of our isolation, is to work to proclaim Christ to the world, to, as the kids color those pictures and write those cards and bring them to us, uh, we can still, as I've been saying time and time again, keep those connections with one another, to reach out by telephone, email, uh, FaceTime, whatever means we have available to us, to stand across the street from our neighbors with that social distancing taking place, and to talk to them, to share the love of Christ in those ways, to do it in the grocery stores, standing those six or eight feet apart from one another. you got a captive audience. Think about it. Look for ways to share the love of Jesus Christ, and don't be afraid of what the world throws back at you. Because you see, sometimes people are leery of the true cure. But the true cure truly comes through Christ and his cross. We do not want to forget about the cross. It's the cross that brings us hope. It's the cross upon which Jesus died to wash away the fullness of our sins, to change history forever. People are saying that this virus is going to change history forever, and that might be the case. It might change how we interact or the way we do things going forward. Uh, that's inevitable. But we forget that the cross changes everything, that it's the pinnacle event in human history, and we're going to hear about that on Good Friday. It's that event by which God begins to repair that brokenness between us and, and him, where he sends his own son to a cross to die for our sins. And he does it simply because he loves us. 
The sin that separates us from God is repaired at the cross. The brokenness is healed at the cross. Forgiveness comes to us through the cross. We dare not forget the cross. That's why I love the hymn, Lift High the Cross, the love of Christ proclaim. Because the emblem of suffering and shame, and I'm mixing my hymns here, the emblem of suffering and shame is an emblem of hope and of love. So many people don't understand that about the cross. When you see the cross, you see the love of Jesus Christ poured out for you, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins and for the sins of the whole world. And so this week is about coming to that understanding, and it's also about following Jesus because he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey to proclaim his reign, not just over the city of Jerusalem or the nation of Israel, but over the entire world and indeed even over Satan himself. And we are followers of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We follow the Lord of all each and every day in our lives by how we love one another and how we love the world around us. This is the week to proclaim hope. All of the prognosticators are telling us that these next two weeks are going to be the worst. And I heard yesterday that they were looking at the next six to seven days. That puts us right at Good Friday and Easter. Isn't that ironic in some ways that that's going to be the worst time for so many in our nation? But we know that it's at that time that hope comes to all people. And we need to share that hope and point people to the cross. It's going to be a hard two weeks, we're told. And that's probably true. I have no reason to doubt that. But in the midst of the hard things of this world, we have a Savior who loves us. And we proclaim Christ to those in need, to those families who are hurting, to our loved ones, to our family, to our friends. We lift high the cross and we proclaim his love. Coveting authority and power? No. You can't covet that which you already have. He has all power, all dominion, all authority over heaven and on earth, over your life and mine. Our lives are in his hands. And that's a wonderful, awesome, great blessing to us. And that's what we claim the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.